Welcome to Death Metal Man, uh, first of all, sorry we haven't had any parodies the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Just been uh, fucking busy, man. Yeah, busy. And then I don't. It's not like I spend a lot of time writing them. They just will come to me. Like I'll be doing some dumb manual labor, and then uh, all of a sudden I'll have a song pop in my head, and then I'll take that song and just put something real stupid to the lyrics, and that's what we'll do. I'll just go from there. I'll text it to Buddy, and then we just laugh at it. And if he laughs, that makes it work. But Man, I just have my brain's been everywhere. I had a bunch of fucking shows last week, and then we've been pumping iron. Yeah, I listened to Manowar. That's a lot of it too. Is I haven't heard any other songs other than Manowar, and all that makes me think about is just lifting weights. Yeah, you can't get in a street. You can't pump. deface that shit. Yeah, no, I mean it's not that I want to, but yeah, usually something will slip in, and my brain will just be like, "Man, just what if it was a fucking penis instead of a." gun or a whistle or whatever the song is about but well i'll try to get back on it i know you, that shit's fun so sorry but we'll come back with that and this week we're doing a continuation part number two and the last episode we took the song bolt thrower what dwells the the song what dwells within by bolt thrower at the request of patron bobby henderson our friend and we compared that song to a war crime because bolt thrower equals war to us and I picked a super gnarly world war crime. We looked into the corrupt Dr. Marcel Patois. So far, we've seen Dr. Patois through his young life where he's committed almost every crime, most likely including murder up to this point. Over and over again, Dr. Patois was diagnosed as essentially insane, spent some time in asylums and jails, and slipperier than Buddy's mom's pink sink, that boy got away with everything. God damn. Now, his prescription-selling hustle is about to turn deadly. Is it? How deadly? Real deadly. Death deadly. Like face fuck to death? Face fuck to death deadly. Oh, and before we get into the gruesome details, you can support this podcast the following ways. Number one, just by listening. Thank you for doing it. We love you. We're glad you're here. Two, sharing the word. If you just tell your friends about this or anyone else like-minded or if you post on Reddit, any forum out there, just let people know you like our podcast. I see all the time people ask, what podcast are you listening to? Man, give us a little slip in there and you'd be surprised how much something like that could do. Word of mouth. That's what we are. We've got no team, no sponsorship, no extras that push us to where a lot of the more commercial podcasts you hear all that sort of help that gets them pushed to the top of itunes every week that gets them on the front page of everything by paying for advertising we don't have the want nor the budget to do anything like that we're a diy production it's just three people making a podcast so we appreciate you listening an easy way to help us out that requires nothing more than getting on itunes clicking on our podcast clicking review if you can hit five stars on there and type literally anything in the comments, that helps us climb the ratings. The more reviews you have, for whatever goofy reason, that's how Apple moves you up and down the charts, and that's just what makes your podcast more visible. It's like right now, if you type in death metal, we're number one for that result. Well, if you keep giving us reviews and someone types in like true crime, well, we would be on, you know, we want to get on like the first page of that. That just helps get the word out. That's all. Doesn't we, me and Buddy aren't trying to feel great about ourselves? That's impossible. Look at us, and if you can't look at us, that reminds me to join us on YouTube. We've been street pumping, lifting weights. You want to get a look at all this? You know what I mean? Here we are flexing for the old camera, and uh, we're getting we're getting less gross and more yost. You know what I'm saying? So if you would like to support us in those ways, that would be tremendous. Now we've got a few people that every single month help us out so much. They literally make what we're doing possible. We got these people who are essentially helping us produce the podcast. They're patrons of ours. If you want to find out about that, you can go to patreon.com backslash death metal dicks. Take a look at what we've got there. We've got bonus episodes that we put out every other week, which is just me and buddy being me and buddy. No crime. It's just like riding in the car with old KP and old bud. You know what I mean? And we have a good time with it and patrons love it. We're having fun. If you want to get into that, check it out. And we appreciate everyone that does, and we shout them out every episode. So at the end of this, stick around. You're going to hear patrons' names, 
And also this episode, just like the last one, two-parter, was suggested by one of our patrons. He's on a particular tier, and we let him suggest a death metal song. And that's what we do here at Death Metal Dicks. If you're a first-time listener, we compare death metal songs to grisly true or sometimes fake events. Yeah. And Bobby Henderson, our patron, picked this one out. Any of those ways help us out tremendously. If you also want to donate to us through PayPal, that'd be incredible. Any amount helps, no matter how small or how big. We'll love you for it. Deathmetaldicks at gmail.com is where you can hit that PayPal. going to give a big old birthday shout-out to one of our patrons and friend of ours, Cam Catrun. What? Happy birthday, Happy birthday, their friend, bud. and another good friend of ours, Anthony Drew, who turned 33 this week. So, wow. hey, happy birthday, fellas. Yep. Anthony Drew, man, going to Slayer. He goes, can I smoke weed in your car? No. Guess what the fuck he does? Man, that's not him, but all right. <laughs> hey, the Anthony Drew is a judge in Connecticut. Yeah, that's who he is for sure. Oh, man. <laughs> Happy birthday. Buddy remembers you. I hope you get to put your... Sex boot in and a pink sink. All yeah, right. Hope you lose your job. <laughs> 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 Happy you birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, man. Oh, so Mar- Dr. Marcel Batois. What a character. Go back and listen to episode one if you want to hear about the beginning of his life, all the crazy antics that have led up to this point. Now, where we left off last week, he had been in some hot water for suspicion of murder and what he actually got arrested for is over prescribing narcotics which is something that he had been in trouble for in the past now he's a not a good doctor he's a very sketchy doctor and what's funny about the type of doctor he does is it seems to be very popular in america right now he just over prescribes pain medication to everybody and his scam is that if you come in and you have a pain, and you're going to get hooked on a pain medicine, something that he's going to prescribe, an opiate. What's going to happen is he's going to take the money that the government, the French socialist government, gives you for going to a doctor. So when you come into his doctor's office, he's going to accept what they pay out in like a month. And also because he's doing a nefarious type of practice, he is going to take your money up front. So you're going to pay twice. So even if you know better and you understand that the government pays for your doctor visit, your copay and all that, to be able to get the pain medication, you're going to pay the extra amount. All right. So that's the type of doctor we're dealing with here. And also, again, I told you up top, but if you if you didn't listen to the last episode, it's very important to just really get a frame of how this person is. But he is for sure... At least a psychopath. He's the real Dr. Field. He's real. Yeah. We're living again when I'm living in France and I want to get real fucked up. Call up Marcel Patois, cram narcotics in my butt. Jerking off, hating Germans. Where can I go to kill the vermin? Dun, 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 dun. He's the one they call Dr. Feel good. He's the one that makes you feel all right. He's the one that helps the. Pain go away or shit. <laughs> you suck. I don't fucking All like right, that man. Shit. Uh, I was just trying to spice it up, buddy. So, Marcel Batois, uh, this is a good example of how off he is. Now, he's dealing with police now. And the, the, the reason he's dealing with police is because he is under direct suspicion of trafficking narcotics. Now, the police want to know what he's up to, why he's prescribing so many pills. And if they asked you a question like that, you know, your first line of thought would be, well, I'm a doctor. I know when people are in pain, it's my job to determine how much they need. It's not your job as a police officer. It's my job. That's a good argument for a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bad argument for a doctor to say, listen, fellas, I have been manufacturing secret chemical weapons and they kill Germans, only Germans. It doesn't affect anybody else. And they doesn't leave any forensic evidence when they die. Damn. So police are like, okay there, Marcel, tell us more. He's like, well, because of my weapons, I've been having these secret meetings with the Allied commanders. They've been setting me up, and I've been working with them to aid the resistance. And now the police are pro-resistance because, again, the resistance 
is the operation in France that's trying to keep from being occupied by the Germans. You know, yeah. you have the side of the government in France that's buying into Germany's deal, and then you have the side of the government in France that doesn't want to go with Germany, and then, of course, the people want to stay with France, and they're trying to organize an underground resistance, also trying to keep the French out of German camps. So he's he's police are on that team, yeah. you know? So even though he's sounding like a crazy shit right now, just because he's on the resistance, that's like a wink and a nod from the police officers because they're doing the same thing. You know, anytime a crime happens, they're looking the other way. They're actively helping the actual resistance, yeah. you know, get people out of the Germans' hands. And they're not arresting people the Germans want them to arrest because that's another thing that's important to talk about here is that during the wartime is that basically the police officers will co corroborate whatever the Germans tell them. Or also whatever the Allied forces tell them. You know, the military, if they want somebody, which the Germans is like an escaped Jew. Yeah. If they want to find them, they will send a tell. They'll look for themselves. The Gestapo will come and take a look. But they'll also try to interact with the French police and get the French police to help them out by capturing them. The same with Allied forces. There may be, you know, some German war criminal that needs to be arrested. And then they have to go through that type of same thing. Now, whether they do it or not is another thing. But they do receive the messages and they're expected to help what they can. Now, of course, yeah. the pro-resistance police are not going to be helping the Germans out too much. Nope. So he made up that entire thing. And then also when he was brought in for an official statement, he... I assume made up this entire group of anti-fascist Spaniards. And I say made up because there is no evidence of this. Now, there is certainly an alternate universe where during a crazy war like this, he could have been contacted by some sort of officials and like been schizophrenic and it really played out in his mind. Somebody could have easily told him, if you're on the brink of insanity and somebody told you that they're like a Spanish person, that's like, what if someone came into your office and you're crazy as shit and they want pain pills and they're like, I am from the Spanish resistance. I will need a medication from you to continue my fight. And he's like, brother, you're in good hands. Sign me up. Hand me that 5,000 bucks and we're cool. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? And then that would have just totally trailed his mind off. Uh, and we, we were talking about how he was under duress for the charges, but he, on, in, the, in the eyes of not just the police, but the resistance, he was helping people out a lot. Um, he got the authorities. So when, when they came in, they got him with all this. And he, we pay attention to true crime shit all the time. Now, yeah. obviously this is a different time. So in the true crime realm, they've given him the police interview. They want to bring him up on charges. Now, you know, to actually bring something to trial, the prosecuting attorney wants a solid case, some type of evidence, some type of witness, some type of physical thing that the police can say, well, we saw this and this is going on. And then that just becomes your word versus theirs that's not usually a concrete enough case to go to trial. Now, it will sometimes, but those cases aren't near as successful as we can place this person here, we can place this in this person's hands, open and shut case. Okay, yep. They have got... Well, go ahead. I was just going to say sex boudin again. <laughs> I love that fucking Very word. important point, sex boudin. Yeah. Sex Correct. boudin yeah, is... Absolutely. That's a, that's a, sex boudin, that's a dick. Yeah. Tremendous. And fuck boudin is whenever yeah, it's fuck time. Boudin, right, exactly. That's when you sex boudin turns into a fuck boudin. That's when the boudin has been, you know, when you cook a boudin. Sex boudin is passion. Fuck <laughs> boudin is splitting somebody like a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when you cook a sausage yeah. and it's right at that point where it's like hard and stiff and succulent and juicy and perfect. Yeah. Right before it busts the fuck open. Yeah. When it gets hot, it turns into juicy. a man of war arm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a it's a sex boudin when it like goes in the broiler to start with, and it gets all juicy, and the sweat's coming off yeah. of it, and it gets. But then when you leave it for just a little bit too long, and that skin cracks the fuck open, yeah. that's a fuck boudin right there. Yeah, shout out to, to all that rice comes Circle pouring K, out, man. They got <laughs> yeah, all yeah, kinds yeah. of fuck boudins on. Man, trial. dude, you're gonna. I know we're gonna stop tonight, and you're gonna grab a sausage or two. I got my vest ready, man. <laughs> man, stealing from convenience stores is fucking cool. Fuck what you heard. Fuck the law. That's cool shit. Hey, fuck them. <laughs> fuck them real good. All right, so fuck back to the, uh, not our criminal case, but Marcel Patois' criminal case. Hey, it's your word versus us, cops. Did we steal from the gas station or not? Sure, we said we did, and you said we did, but where's the concrete evidence? You know what I'm saying? And so here, the police actually have some pretty concrete evidence. What they did is just like police do today, some old school tactics that have evolved. 
they took informants, people that were known addicts, and they sent them to Dr. Marcel Batois to try to get a prescription that they didn't actually need for a large amount of narcotics. And he gave it to him, and they were set to testify in the trial. Now, a motherfucking monkey wrench got thrown in it when the two witnesses disappeared. Whoa. And one of the police officers that was pro-resistance told Marcel that these were the two guys. Oh, shit. So they just up and left, and now he is knows he's in some shit, so he bails. But when I say bails, he really just changed his name to Dr. Eugene. So he didn't go anywhere. He may have moved a couple of streets over, but then instead of being Dr. Patois, he's Dr. Eugene. He's the one they call Dr. Eugene. He's the one that makes them feel all right. He's the one they call Dr. Eugene. He's going to save the juice tonight. Man, fire up a fucking Harley. Yeah, that sounds like a man of war. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, uh, man, wheels of fire, man. Dude. If they had a hot dog stand, if who did that boy, Doctor Eugene? Oh yeah, Doctor Eugene. But he was serving up some fucking fuck boudins. <laughs> You're just gonna say that a lot, aren't I you? Fucking love a yeah. fuck boudin. <laughs> Blow the veins out of it. Now. His next move after coming, Dr. Eugene is going full in on this resistance shit. Because to the public eye, he knows that police will probably look the other way. And people who look down upon what he had been doing. And again, remember, it's important to frame that gossip is a big deal. There's not media like there is today. There's not social media, certainly. So the way people find out about each other and things that are going on is word of mouth. Yeah. So if people are gossiping about this guy and the words out, he doesn't want to look bad. So he becomes a full part of the resistance. And what he appears to be doing is a great thing. He opens uh fly talks, which is an escape route. Damn. Fly talks sounds official. And the idea is that Patois could offer safe passage to Argentina through Portugal. He would help anybody, didn't matter who it was. The main market was Jews, but resistance fighters or any criminal that wanted to get away from France or as the word traveled through to the resistance anywhere in Europe, they could come to him and he would charge 25,000 francs. And then once they paid him, he would ship them to Portugal. And then Portugal was kind of not involved in things. And they they owned a lot of South America, so it was easy travel. That's why people Hmm. in Brazil speak Portuguese easy travel from Portugal to South America. Yeah. And so that was, it made sense. It sounds good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So the only problem is there was no goddamn escape route. Yeah, there was, was there, was it a sex boudin? Well, they had to pay 25,000 francs. And we know what that's code (laughs) word for. Yeah. Frank is a hot dog. That's right. And a hot dog is very similar to a boudin. And a boudin is eerily similar to a fucking penis. Thus, we can close the case on sex boudins. <laughs> All right, guys. Shortest podcast episode. Casey's fucking gross. Sex boudin was guilty. Uh, and then he had a crew that was helping him out. And so, again, this could be a network of resistance fighters or it could be someone up to some bullshit. But these guys are wrangling people up and bringing them to Dr. Patois. Raul Fourier, Edmund Pintard. René Gustave Nizondet. I don't like a French name. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I got a friend's last name, Fortier. It's Fortier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why you got to... Fortier. Furrier. You're really leaving me out here, buddy. Uh, well, you said something for rear, and I was thinking... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Insert the sex boudin. <laughs> yeah, well, you didn't. I actually respect the restraint. All right. So he would get these four guys and they would go out and they would try to get in touch with actual members of the resistance or they would go to jails or they would go to camps to find Jews, Germans who were on the lam, drug addicts, anybody that needed a reason to get away from France. Once they got in touch, they would bring him to Patois and once he made the deal, he would take the person looking for his help believe that they were about to leave. So once it happened, once they made the deal, he didn't take any money from them up front. He told them to go home, 
Tell their family members goodbye, but don't tell anyone where they're going. Collect all their valuables and bring them back to him immediately because he was going to get them to Portugal and out right away. Then there's no time to waste because you're one fugitive. And he had this shit that seemed very official. I mean, he's a goddamn doctor. He's yeah. in a doctor's office. Everything's set up. Then he would tell them that Argentina government required them to have inoculations and immunizations, and he would inject them with those. Now, if there was six immunizations, one of them was cyanide. So they died a slow, horrible, agonizing death. And then he would take all of their valuables and their money. Man, you know, like the the Nazis were super into eugenics. You know, they're all about that, like pure race shit and doing all that stuff. And yeah, whatever. It's ironic that he's giving inoculations to people. They're dying, but he's also calling himself Dr. Eugene. Dr. Eugenics. Nazi conspiracy. We don't know, and who fucking cares? I want to know what underwears. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's fucked up, dude. So you got to think that we're not talking about your day-to-day criminals. A criminal now is just someone who is a Jew. If you're in Germany and you're Jewish and they know about you and you bail, they still have your name and they assume you went to a certain location. So now you're a wanted criminal just because of your heritage. And you figure that now you have a chance to get out. You gather up all this money, all your valuables. You think you're about to leave to Portugal. And the anticipation of that is all the way up until he's giving you the immunizations that you need to get to Argentina by way of Portugal. And then you just fucking sit there and die. Now, when it first started happening, the move was he would dump the bodies into the Seine River. Then he moved to destroying the bodies by submerging them into a pit he dug in his garage and filled with quicklime. Then, once that started getting full, he began incinerating bodies. Damn. Which we know is a hard way to go about getting rid of evidence because it has to be so fucking hot. And even then, there's pieces of the body left over. I mean, teeth, you know? That doesn't exactly burn. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the, there's there's no way to completely dispose of the evidence. That's the hard part about killing people. You can't get rid of everything. You just hammer it into powder and go throw it in a sandbox at the park. The teeth. That's fucked. I'm just saying. But I could see it. But, I mean, you know, everyone's just out there with the fucking, like that turtle sandbox yeah. just full of tooth dust. Throw a couple little black pepper specks in there. Yeah, sure. If it's a tooth, man, it already has a couple. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Especially back then, dude. They don't have any fucking crest. No, man. And the French don't give a fuck about their teeth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Europeans in general said fuck teeth a long, long time ago. You know what? That's a good case against evolution because they've had gross teeth for so long and continuously neglected oral hygiene, but yet their teeth still rot out. Guess what? The fuck is retarded, man. Teeth? Yeah, but not only that, man. Guess where the first toothbrush is from? Don't say France. Arkansas. The first one? The first two. You're right about that. That is a true fact. It is. I'm not even fucking yeah, around. But it was a necessity here. But I like that. It's just, that's legit innovation. Yeah. Man, I sure would like to stick my dick in your mouth. But Jesus Christ, it smells like 85,000 golf ball, mothballs and a sex blue dan in there. Mm. Why come... That white shit in there is getting rotted. Well, I tell you what, Franklin, I last I you know, I used to do this thing where I would get a washcloth and I would rub it around on them and not, all this greasy film would come off of them and it would look a lot whiter and the smell would be a lot more tolerable. But I don't think that washcloth is heavy duty enough to take this possum pussy off my chomps anymore. Possum pussy. Well, now that you say that, Luann, I think that I could come up. You know, look, why don't you take this steel brush and rub it on that? Oh, God, it's too hard. Well, what if I just took the these here horse pubes and put them on the end of this brush and you brush with that? That, that feels pretty good. And, and hey, look at all that scum coming off. Is it fucked up to think that people were polishing their fucking boots waiting for their brushing their goddamn teeth? <laughs> they were for sure. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, who gives a fuck about a boot? A boot's not in your stupid mouth. Oral hygiene's stupid as shit. They're probably like, let's try mink oil on my teeth. It does it on the boots. And what the fuck happened before toothbrushing? 
It just rotted out. Cockwashing. You cockwashed. Man, what a racket that would have. I, somebody did that for sure. Somebody, I guarantee, somebody looked at fucked up teeth. Well, I know they pulled them out and shit and yeah. was like, I got a surefire cure for that. I don't know you never heard of this before, but it's cum. It's orgasm. It's jizz. It's skeet. It's my inner liquid. It's the DNA, the building block of life. Cum, orgasm, juice. What you're going to do is put this in your here mouth. Now, you're going to want to just sit it there. Don't just do that. Put a little bit of friction on that thing. Move your mouth back and forth and give it a suck. You suck, 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 and what will happen is that goop will come out. Now, when that goop comes out, you don't swallow it down. You swish it around. Swish that goop around, then I guarantee you'll have you some healthier teeth. You've been going to the barber. You've been paying to have them tooths extracted. No more. You won't do it. You're going to save money. I'm just going to charge you $5 to suck my dick. And you get this goop out of my dick, it's going to cure them teeth forever, baby. You're going to get these teeth cured up? You're going to suck this dick or not? Well, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? What are you going to do? Are you going to go home and think about it, or are you going to get those teeth fixed up? you got to get this cum right now. And the response is, I declare. And then they just got it. sake. Hey, man, crest nut strips, I mean, that could still be a thing. I mean, people will pay for that. You uh, bust a load on some man, teeth. Man, it's like forever been one of those things where, well, you got real white teeth because you suck dick and drink the cum. Like, you, you heard that before, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was always like, you, like, like someone. Like, you suck so hard that your teeth spread out? <laughs> Well, you know, some dumb shit would tell a girl in school like their teeth were like, you know, the reason your teeth are so wide is because you drink cum. Whoa. You never heard that? Yeah. That's I mean, like a, that's I'm like sure everything. That's that. every school thing. Like you're a slut because you're breathing. Yeah. Slut. Man, you know, it's it goes a, alongside Indian burns. You know what? The funniest slut calling of all time, which I have you know, vehemently disapprove of, but it's funny in a movie is in dogma. I was talking about this the other day with my friend in dogma. When uh, Jay and Silent Bob are sitting at the table with that girl and Jay's trying to, he's like, all right, we're going to do this, but you got to have sex with me. And she's like, I would never, no matter what, have sex with you. He's like, all right, well, what if there was a nuclear bomb dropping? We have five minutes left to live. And the only thing we could do to make each other feel good is to have sex. And she's like, okay, all right. In that unlikely scenario, I would have sex with you. And he just looks aside Bob's and goes, what a slut. <laughs> Damn. That shit's hilarious, man. That's some classic. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. Oh, it's Dogma's good, man. Yeah, You're fucking up. I know, That's man. a great movie to watch. Uh, and so, you know, he, all right, let's get to how he got caught. Okay. Because yeah. we got Dr. Eugene running around, mm-hmm. and the police are looking for Dr. Marcel Patois. Now, Let's say, granted, technology isn't what it is today. There's no cameras, but he's a real goofy-looking fucking dude. Yeah. And also, once police know who they're looking for, you got to figure it's not that hard to pick somebody out. So my guess is, because this shit went on for another 10 months, my guess is that it was just the resistance-friendly police letting him slip around. Like, he had a way, and he was definitely a great manipulator. Yeah. Like all psychopaths. Mm -hmm. So he had some type of way to slip around society, get what he needs, and then start continue this fucking insane scam, which you're just piling up bodies. There's nowhere for anything to go. The Gestapo eventually heard that there was a resistance network that was helping Jews escape Germany. So, of course, they're going to investigate that angle. Gestapo agent Robert Jodkum forced a prisoner named Ivan Dreyfus to become an informant and get the network, try to get the network to ship him to Argentina. Yeah. So he goes and he just vanishes. So what the Gestapo assumes from that is that he indeed just went ahead and went to Argentina. Because why the fuck would you not? You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, you're a... Jew that's been working with the Gestapo. We kind of like you, but at the same time, you're not exactly our best friend. You got the opportunity to slip away. And you're going to trust a, a fucking French Kramer. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, if you're you really going to trust anything that's not German at that point. But yeah, yeah I mean, you you get over there, he probably offers you a nice croissant, butwe, coffee, cigarette. You get to talking and you just slip away. So that's what the Gestapo assumed. It's like, shit, we fucked that one. But, I mean, I guess that kind of gives us an inkling of what's actually going on. And, you know, the way that, that the guy got there is because they got in touch with his his help. Yeah. So they were able to link up with them who were claiming to be part of the resistance and helping people. They got him in that. They confirmed that part, and then the guy disappears. Eventually, the Gestapo 
infiltrated the operation and they arrested Fourier, Pintard, and Nazondet. They were all three tortured on the spot. And they all confessed that Dr. Eugene was actually Dr. Marcel Patois. Nazondet was released, but the others were held and tortured for another eight months. And with Man. all that shit, imagine Gestapo torture. That's top of the game torture. Oh, yeah. That's the supreme team of torture right there. They love to torture people. I mean, they're doing it all. And they're keeping them alive to find that information. Fuck. But they realize after eight months of torturing them that they're like the longest amount of people that didn't do any talking ever for them. So they're blown away. And at the end of it, they just have to come to realize that the reason and what they want them to do is name members of the resistance so they can shut this shit down. You know, that's the enemy. They want to get the main members and pull them in, but they can't give them any names because they don't actually know anyone in the resistance. They're running a fucking scam. And they don't even, they still don't figure that out. And they're all released in January of 1944. Now, one theory that I have after I read a book, I went over this whole thing. And the first thing we can say before I say my theory is we can preface this by saying that when a psychopath gets an idea in their head and they, they, they are going to commit murders or crimes it seems like they absolutely convinced themselves that this is reality. So I could totally see Dr. Patois making himself believe that he is a super spy and he is killing someone's enemy and he's doing a good thing and he's just profiting off of these criminals. In order for you to be a good bullshit artist, you got to believe in your own bullshit until the time is over. Right, and we've seen countless times, especially like BTK, how he coldly told the judge about all of his murders in detail without breaking an emotion at all. And he he thought that everyone that he killed was a bad person. John Wayne Gacy thought that everyone he killed was a bad person. I mean, this could definitely be that scenario. But another thing that could have happened, and even going further into that, is that this dude, who is for sure insane, he's been diagnosed several times and keeps getting out. He's a doctor. He's gone by being a doctor in real sketchy avenues. He's done sketchy stuff. He could have been brought in by these guys who could be ultimate criminal masterminds and found this guy who is super easy to manipulate because even though he's smart, if they told him all that shit, he would believe it. Don't you think? Like what if he was schizophrenic and these guys approach you and they're like, Hey, you want to help out your country? You want to take down the Germans? Here's what we can do. And we know you can get your hands on some chemicals and we can put together cocktails that can get rid of these people without a trace. Like, it's pretty feasible to think that he could believe that. Because, like, what's a schizophrenic do? Don't they dwell on those things? And that just becomes, like, a more and more deeper of a fantasy? Yeah, but I don't think, I don't think in that time period they had a lockdown on medicine for schizophrenics that way. Because, I mean, like, it's supposed to help calm down the the uh, voices in their heads or, yeah. or, you know, whatever, you know, smells or whatever fucking thing that sets them off. So it's like... I don't think they had like a full grasp on what was causing. They still really don't, but the medicine they have now would help. So if he was schizophrenic, I mean, there would just be, I mean, he would be easier to catch. I feel like just because he would be. Well, what I'm saying is what if these guys that were supposedly helping him were schizophrenic? No, no, no. He's schizophrenic, the doctor. So what if these, okay. What if the three guys that were arrested for helping Dr. Patois, Mm -hmm. what if they were actually the mastermind? And they had Dr. Patois help them uh, by convincing him that he was actually doing good work for the resistance. I got you. I feeped out. Yeah, I got you, man. Yeah. So I mean, that, that could makes, have been. That makes sense. That's what I'm saying. I, th- I feel like he would have been easy to prey on in that regard. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know that that happened, but, you know, in, the, in this whole thing, he never broke away from that. Like, that never broke out of them. And that's why I wanted to say before that psychopaths, when they do something, they can make themselves believe it yeah. for sure. So the fact that he never broke away from a story could be that, or it could be that he was manipulated and he really believed he was doing those things. That doesn't make it right. No. He should have been in an asylum a long time ago. Either yeah. way, you know? So th- there's not, you can definitely blame the French government for this, but it's a weird time, so we'll see. Now, he got caught for the entire gamut because March 6, 1944, a neighbor noticed smoke coming out of the chimney of his house, a 21 Roulet Soir, in Paris, and the the smoke smelled noxious. It wasn't just yeah. like burning wood. They went to his house, but on the door, there was a note that said, Dr. Eugene's going to be away for a month, but there was still smoke coming out. So then they immediately started to think, well, there's a fire inside. They call police. 
And uh, his neighbors say that it's Dr. Patois that lives there. Police get a hold of him. He tells police, okay, 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 like, I'll show you that there's no problem with the fire, but you got to wait till I get there to go in, which, you know, France is the origin of democracy. They were, they don't have a re- they don't have a warrant to go into his house. The police don't, you know? Yeah. So they're going to wait for him, but then the, the smoke's coming out, so they call the fire department. The fire department comes along. They enter the house through a second-story window, and that's where the fire is. And, of course, that fire is burning bodies. And they see body parts that are all dismembered, ready to be thrown in the fire, all over the place. And they start to go, well, let's get this guy up here because it's a fucked up nightmare. Oh, sounds real crazy. Yeah, I mean, just imagine being some fucking Francois firefighter and busting in a burst of flame and what's on fire is just the bodies. Using Dunaway's dry rub on the an arm and <laughs> yeah and it was tough times back then man you might have taken a crunch before you called the law and like yeah. boys just don't smell too bad you know what i've heard is like a pig oh i like a pig uh-huh. let's take a bite oh it's not too bad it's not too bad pass a croissant let's put a boot on the croissant let me bite the sex boudin Mm-hmm. <laughs> the primest piece Man, I made right there, there brother. It is, dude. That's a delicacy. <laughs> it's delicacies. <laughs> so police let Patois go again. Like I said, this boy is more slippery than your mom's pink sink. Oh. He gets smooth the hell away with everything. My mom got away with a lot, man. I know, man. She is a good criminal. No. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, <laughs> she's done so much, man. Yeah, and the thing she's gotten caught for, she just skated the fuck off, yeah. just like this guy. So what happened is that when the police are seeing these bodies and they put them in handcuffs, and he's like, guys, 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 it's me. Like I'm working with the resistance. All these bodies are Germans. Don't freak out. We got to keep this thing on the down low because I'm out here killing fucking Germans. I'm doing what you're supposed to be doing, and the police are like. Well, fuck, like where else would the bodies be coming from? Yeah. You know, like people just disappeared. We talked about that last episode all the time because the war, if you could get away from that country, you definitely wanted to do it. You wanted to get to America. So there was so many people all over Europe that were constantly leaving and, of course, not telling anybody where they're going. Because you don't want to get found. You don't want to get found out. You don't want people to find the route you took. You don't want to be under German suspicion of taking Jewish people with you. Mm. It all adds up. Like, it's not that crazy to think that the cops are like, all right, man, maybe we got to let this one keep doing what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Then after he left, the cops searched his property. And in the garage, they found the quicklime pit, which was filled. Just the pit was filled with enough body parts for at least 10 bodies. Damn. Yeah. So the case gets handed off to police captain George Victor Massou. He took charge, and the first thing he took to finding out is where are the body's coming from? What side is he actually on? Is he killing Gestapo, or is he killing members of the resistance? Is this guy some type of elite agent? Because another thing is, is that spying and fear of spying was definitely not uncommon back then everybody was suspicious of everybody what if it was like a weird turn of events but he was just working for the germans that was certainly that's what i'm saying that's certainly a possibility i mean there was agents double agents spies like this was the golden age of shit like that so goddamn crazy there yeah exactly and because what he's telling you is absolutely believable because he absolutely believes it yeah you know when you're talking to somebody I mean, it, it's like if you watch Cops or Live PD or any of those shows, you can when you see a police officer talk to a person, you can instantly tell the person they're talking to is full of shit yeah. almost every time, especially if you watch it a lot. Now, if you see somebody that is not behaving that way, they're telling the truth. They just seem like, hey, guys, listen, this is the way it is. Let's yeah. calm down. Just check it out. Go ahead. Look into it. It's all good. And they're telling the truth. That's a whole different type of behavior. And if you believe it, then it is happening, right? Like, yeah. if your mind believes that it's happening, then it's happening. So he's convincing. And so that that could also be spy behavior. Yeah. So while he's trying to get the bodies identified, which you got to think, there's there's no good forensic science. You know, you, you can just change your goddamn name and say you're somebody else. Correct. Like you basically have to have somebody 
who knew exactly who you were identifying. There's no yeah. fingerprints. There's no dental imprints. There's no technology. It's just if you were my son and I could identify you, then that's you. If not, well, hey, fuck it. We have no idea. People are coming in and out. This is war-torn Europe. You're basically at your own. So the first thing that happens while he's trying to get a body identified is that the Germans send out a telegram saying that Patois is wanted for immediate arrest. He's a dangerous lunatic. Oh, shit. So like I said, they work with German police, allied police, and they get the bulletins. They understand who's who, what people are wanted for, if they want to help him or not. So that clears up that he's definitely not working with the Germans. So that at least makes him think, and that could have been a good thing for Patois because the police chief could have easily thought, hey, this guy actually is with the resistance. The Germans are after him. This is yeah. some real shit. So police go back to his apartment to talk to Patois again, and they couldn't find him. But as they searched, they found chloroform, digitalis, and other medical poisons, as well as plenty stockpiles of legit medicine. Yeah. Which, he's not a pharmacy, he's a doctor. But he had everything, you know? Amongst the bodies that police began to identify, which was the easiest two for the police to identify, the two people that were involved with the police, the addict informants that were set to testify oh, against shit. Patois. Bum, bum, bum. So, again, they can't find him right now. And what happens is French police arrest his brother, Maurice, who uh, immediately upon arrest, that you know, they're, they're like, what do you have to do with this? Obviously, you're around him enough. You know something's going on. And he confesses that he delivered quicklime to Patois' house under Patois' orders. So he comes in for intent. Uh, his wife, Georgette, and then the three dudes that they had arrested before, the Germans had tortured. Now they're arrested by the French, and they all confess to having removed suitcases from Patois' house. Now, Damn. back to the angle of it being these, the, the uh, um, Nezonzet, Porchon, and Neuchausen and Fourier being the guys who actually pulled the strings, they confessed to having removed suitcases from Patois' house because there was a lot of eyewitnesses that said they were always going in and out with large packages. Yeah. So the way I could see that they would have had Patois do what they did and be clueless about it is so let's say he just thought he was giving them regular inoculations. Yeah. And they took them and their possessions and everything on their way. Okay, we're going. And then they died in the car. Yeah. And then they came back and, and like, rounded everything up, and, and Patois never got involved with that part of it. Hmm. Again, feasible. Yeah. And, it, and that's what these guys are confessing to is removing suitcases from Patois' house. So either way, they're going to be implicated in this whole thing and guilty because they are actively either knowing what they're taking out of the house or unknowingly doing something sketchy as shit, which yeah. turns out is bodies and paraphernalia. So the investigation for this entire thing was put on hold. Again, it started the 6th of March. June the 6th, 1944, is when the Normandy invasion began. So France's hands are tied. There's nothing else that's going to be going on. So now they got to deal with that shit, which that gives him another seven months to hide out. Um, now, he went on to hide with some of his friends, and of course what he told his friends is that the Gestapo wanted him because he killed Germans and informants. He eventually moved in with one of his patients named George Redoute, and he let his beard grow and adopted various aliases. So, trying to come up with a, a different look, and that makes sense to his friends because he's yeah. on the run from the Gestapo. When the resistance and the Paris police rose against German troops in Paris... Patois adopted the name Henry Valery and joined the French forces of the interior, the FFI. He became a captain in charge of counter espionage and prisoner interrogations. Dude, this guy is working for Germans. He's doing something, man. That's what I'm That's saying. Wild. It all it ends up being some weird shit. When the newspaper Resistance published an article about Patois, his defense attorney from 1942 the narcotics case received a letter in which his fugitive client claimed that the published allegations were mere lies. This gave police a hint that Patois was still in Paris. The search began again, and now they've got the name Henry Valerie um, among those who were... I'm sorry. Sorry. The search begins again, and they get this dude, Henry Valerie in to work the case. 
On his own case? On his own case. What the fuck? It's the wildest story. That's what I've been saying. The, the first episode was kind of a slow burn. Yeah. But you had to frame that this guy is legit insane. And it just keeps getting fucking crazier. So now he is one of the investigators looking for himself. That is some smooth shit. Yeah, man. Finally, on October 31st, Patois was recognized at a Paris metro station and arrested. Among his possessions were a pistol, 31,700 francs, and 50 sets of identity documents. Man, why do you have to have that many sex boudins? (laughs) Well, man, francs weren't like dollars. Um, I think... They, so when he um when he they basically estimated that he made 200 million francs total from like that whole operation. Yeah. I think that's something like near a million dollars. 200 million. So it's still a lot of cash. Yeah. Too much to be rolling around with especially then. Um he went on trial. He was placed on death row at La Sante prison. He the whole time fought it. He said he was innocent. He only killed enemies of France. Um, he said that the bodies that were in his house, he had discovered them in February 1944, and he assumed that they were collaborators that members of his network had killed. So he went out of his way to go ahead and uh, clean up their dirty work. Police noticed that Patois had no friends in any of the major resistance groups. Some of the groups he'd mentioned never even existed. And again, the police are pretty connected. They know yeah. what's going on. And, and there was no proof of any of this shit, which... Hell, man, if you're a spy, there's supposed to be no proof. He, he may have just done a really great job. Prosecutors eventually charged him with 27 murders for profit, which is what they found, right? Yeah. That is the physical. They found 27 bodies in total. Um, like I was saying, the estimate of how much he made was 200 million francs. His trial began March 19th, 1946. He faced 135 criminal charges. That same guy... Rene Floriot acted for the defense against a team consisting of state prosecutors and 12 civil lawyers hired by relatives of Patois' victims. Patois taunted the prosecuting lawyers and claimed that various victims had been collaborators or double agents, or that vanished people were alive and doing well in South America with new names. All the way down, baby. Captain goes down with his ship. He admitted to killing 19 of the 27 victims found in his house, but claimed that they were all German collaborators. And he went on to say that that was just a small part of the total 63 enemies that he had killed himself. Floriot attempted to portray Patois as a resistance hero, but the judges and jurors did not buy that shit at all. He ended up convicted of 26 counts of murder and sentenced to death. Time moves fast back then. They didn't have death row that you're going to hang out on, make ramen noodles, call your family, watch TV, mm-hmm. dick around with a bunch of other people that are going to die. On May 25th, Patois was beheaded after a few days due to a problem in... Uh, I'm sorry. He stayed only a few days because they had a problem in the release mechanism of the guillotine. Now, when this man who killed several went to be killed, he told everyone to look away because they're not going to like what they see. Oh, shit. And that was the end of Dr. Marcel Patois. Can you imagine a wilder fucking life than that? No, nah, man. I'm, dude, it just sounds like he was either working for the Germans or... I'm caught up in so many angles to this because the, the, the really what happened with him, the possibilities are limitless because he never... I mean, again, there's he didn't have time to sit around yeah. and, and, and confess later down the line, but, dude, he never broke away from it. And, and it's, I'm, I'm telling you, dude, because when you're in a war-torn country like that, Germany is all the way invaded. They're trying to take over your government from the inside as well as by force. It's really not that hard to believe that some of the fucking people around town were working with the Germans. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, we're fucked. So what side are we going to pick? And the Germans were goddamn top of the line manipulators and professionals about... Yeah psychological warfare and infiltrating. I mean, they were good at that shit. They trained that shit. They did it everywhere they went. 
So it, it, I mean, you know, bottom line, the guy was for sure insane, and that's not going to work for him. Yeah. But he could have easily been used by any just, fucking side, and and been a legitimate victim of circumstance. I'm just reading maybe too much into it, but I know that the the scientists and the people that had you know the concentration camps, they would test out different uh, inoculations on people because of eugenics. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of weird. Yeah, that Dr. He's, Eugene, that's doc, a good catch. I mean, I didn't catch that. I'm just that's saying, man, that just seems like that. That's kind of the whole thing. Yeah, but and like, the, you know the angle. Like he, he would have been he if he did work for the Germans, he did a fantastic fucking job. Yeah, man. Because he ended up killing sixty three people, you know, and uh, he got sent to the guillotine over it. And he never spilled the beans. Yeah, I mean, that's fucking crazy, man. Oh, yeah, this is a wild one. And big shout-out to uh, Bobby Henderson for suggesting it to us because I thought that this is one of the, the, the craziest cases I've ever heard of, and it was fun to look into because, again, all the different ways it could have gone. Yeah. And we'll never fucking know. Like I didn't even, <laughs> like I didn't even, I, I didn't even read into any of this because I wanted to know, like, I wanted to be surprised when we are doing this shit. It's like the first episode, it was like, man... As like you said, it's a slow burner. But when we got here to this point, it was just, yeah, my mind is fucking blown. Yeah, it rips, man. I've been away. thinking about it all fucking week. You uh, sang my goddamn battleship, man. It's, uh, <laughs> well, hey, man, I hope you guys love this episode. Again, iTunes reviews, that helps us tremendously. It seems simple, but boy, does it help out. Patreon.com backslash death metal dicks. Now, these people that I'm going to shout out are in the highest levels of Patreon. They help us out tremendously. They've done so much for us. We love them. We appreciate them. We make epic, extra episodes for them. Shout out to Matt Mess. Shout out to Bobby Henderson. Shout out to Cam Catrun. New patron Andy Campbell. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Casey Gaden. I got everybody? I don't know. I K- think so. Yeah, I think so. What I think about fucking Parker, man? Ryan goddamn Parker. Uh, we, got a epi- we got an interview with Ryan Parker about his kick-ass band and some good history with Boston Hardcore coming out this week. Uh, we got an interview with uh, Aggressor from Aro Noir coming out this week. Yeah. It's going to be a good Death Metal Dicks week. Yeah, man. This is going to be sweet. But why? Sex. Boudin. Do yourself a favor tonight. Go home to your loved ones. If you've got a sex boudin, a fuck boudin, or any type of sausage, whether it's minuscule or it's fucking huge, you pull that boy out, you slap it across your loved one's face and let them know you love them. And you also worship the devil at the end of the night. And you tell them, listen, this is my sex boudin. It may not smell the way you want it to, but this is what we got, baby, and this is what we're going to share together. This passion, this love, this baby that we're making. We want you to name your child... Sex boudin. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Definitely do that. That's some really good advice. When you and your loved one bring another human being into this world, you guys, I know that our listeners do everything to control their future. I know you control every detail of your life. A very important detail to control to get ahead in this world is to for sure name your kids sex boudin. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to do well in school, do yes. well in college, do yeah. well in... Join the Illuminati. Join the Illuminati. I mean, with a name like Sex Boudin, people are going to take notice. And the people that take notice are the ones that make money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Sex Boudin is going to do do really well. You're going to be on the upper echelons of society due correct. to your baby boy. Yeah, that's right. Or girl. Or girl. I mean, Sex yeah, Boudin, is a, it's, it's a multi-universal. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. the Boudin pot, it's just, it's just it's a sausage case and filled with rice and other food. You know what I mean? So that could definitely be yeah, man. feminine. Well, it's like... It could be both, you know? So yeah. it's like, you know, people, when they go through transition, they decide yeah, that they right. don't want to be a woman, they sure. want to be a man, they can they just, just keep the same yeah, goddamn name. Exactly. You cut that boudin open, and if you got a fluid kid, they can be solid boudin. It's just sex boudin or nothing. <laughs> not Sarah, <laughs> not Billy. It's fucking sex boudin. All right, guys. Sex boudin or nothing. We'll see you next week. Fail safe. Let's go.